peace. Welcome to another episode of Bootstraps. I'm your host, Anefriesian. Before we get into the episode, I have a couple of quick favors to ask. One is be sure to subscribe to the podcast on whatever streaming platform you use. That way, you're notified when we release a new episode. Two, if you don't mind, if you're on Instagram, please give the show a follow. Uh, the handle is at Bootstraps Podcast. Um, and three, the best way to grow our audience is through word of mouth. So if you like the show, be sure to share it uh, with your friends and people that you would think would benefit from hearing these great stories. All right, so getting into this episode with Martin Nance is going to be, uh, I think it's going to be a great ride for you all. I think if I were to boil the episode down, it's about willpower and achievement. You know, nothing in this life is going to be given to you. And if you want something, you have to go and get it. A lot of times we, as people, it's just, it's human nature to look in a neighbor's yard and think the grass is always greener without really paying attention to what it takes to achieve the things that someone else um, has achieved. And really it's about tending to your own garden and getting to work. So looking at Martin's life and what he was able to go on and do, which has been pretty profound and he continues to write his story um, is far from over yet. He's achieved some great things, some some hopes that um, a lot of people never fulfill. I mean, he's won a Super Bowl ring and there are professional football players who have played their whole career, may, might play 15 years and they never achieve something like winning a Super Bowl ring. But what Martin was able to achieve along his journey wasn't just given to him. There was a lot of work that was put in year after year after year. And uh, I hope you guys enjoy going on this journey with us. Let's get into it. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Bootstraps. I'm really honored uh, to introduce you all to my guest today. Uh, brother, why don't you tell everybody your name, what you do, where you live. Let's give them an idea of who you are. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Martin Nance. Uh, I am director of Athlete Activation on the Gatorade business here in Chicago. I live here with my my wife, Minya, my two girls. I have t- uh, two young girls, seven and three. Uh, they're they're uh, Alina and Ava. So the four of us uh, are the, the Nance crew here in Chicago and uh, just trying to, you know, put one foot in front of the other, trying to uh, make the most of... Uh, what we have and, and put our girls in the best situations possible. And that's what's up, man. That sounds like a dream. I remember, I remember reading uh, this quote when I was in junior high school, uh, Malcolm X has said, the most revolutionary thing you could do is to marry a black woman and raise up a black family. You know, sometimes people want to make these grand gestures, but right, it's right, like, right. You know, looking at what the Nances are doing, that's like so super impressive. Um, yeah, no, I love it. I love it. That's yeah. that's uh, yeah, that's powerful. You know, you you kind of um, <clears throat> just move through life one day at a time, and uh, you can oftentimes take for granted some of those things that you have uh, in your life. So just putting it in perspective that way is powerful. Yeah, yeah, I dig it. And then, what is it like being a girl dad? Oh man, it's uh. It's good. You know, I, I think it's funny, you know, I always grew up and uh, 
envisioned fatherhood as, uh, you know, me putting my arm around a young son and teaching him how to play ball. But uh, I think being a girl dad is uh, it's just a new challenge that I, I didn't necessarily spend as much time anticipating. So now that I'm here, it's actually, it's fun. It just has forced me to like tap into a different side of myself and look at every situation from a totally different perspective than than I had before. So it's a, it's a great challenge and girls, man, they, they love on their dads. So I, I think uh, <laughs> that makes it a lot of fun too. Yeah, indeed, indeed. So you have two, uh, two daddy girls for That's sure. That's right. That's yeah, and uh, yeah, well, Minya, she's going to have to keep it tight because, you know, I can see, I can see them girls having you wrapped around their fingers, so she's gonna have to be the disciplinarian. <laughs> no, we do. We actually we do a good job, you know, playing good cop, bad cop. We we kind of take turns, and um, you, you know, we we actually do a really good job balancing each other within uh, parenting. So sometimes I have to play the hard role and uh, come down a little tough and. Uh, she can soften them up or, or the other way around. So yeah, we, we're a good tag team in that way. That's dope. That's super dope. And uh, so you are the director of marketing with Gatorade. That has to be one of the coolest jobs on the planet. Tell us a little more about that. No, it's good, man. It's been an awesome journey. Uh, I've been on the brand now about seven years and have had a chance to work across uh, sports marketing, leading a lot of our uh, global athlete team, uh, league relationships, contracts. Uh, then I moved over and did consumer engagement and more campaign development and um, a lot of creative work, uh, working with agencies and film and production and, you know, building those TV commercials that you, uh, you, you know, you want to tell your, your mom about. So I did that for a couple <laughs> of years and then moved into more of a traditional brand management role where I was um, overseeing a lot of product development, a lot of, you know, the hands-on nitty-gritty uh, task of brand and product management, getting product onto the shelf and, and making sure that it comes to life in the right way. Uh, but as you mentioned, now I, <clears throat> I sit in the role of director of marketing and athlete activation, which includes um, all of our field marketing efforts. We have a team of about 45 reps across the country that all manage their own territories. So for me, I head up that group along with a couple other pillars within our team, our wholesaling relationship, our sporting goods relationship. So it's, uh, it's great for me. I love to bounce around and tackle different problems and dive into uh, different parts of the business. So the role gives me a chance to do that, uh, working with athletes, working with um, elite colleges and high schools across the country. So it's uh yeah it's been a fun role for me i'm learning a lot i have a great team and uh we're just um again trying to drive the brand and business forward as best we can yeah man i mean you know me being someone who's also a brand person and has been in brand for a while i can't think of a better brand to actually work on given you know your love of marketing your love of sports and your love uh, I mean, and it's global too. It's not just, you know, American sports, right? right? Like you can, or sports that are popular here. It's working with soccer. I know you told me about sometimes you've done some soccer activations internationally and whatever. Like it's a, it's a pretty far reaching, impactful brand. 
Yeah, you know, uh, it's funny joining the business. Uh, my game plan was, hey, you know, I'll jump in, I'll, I'll spend a couple years on the business, and then I'll jet off and try to find a, a new, bigger challenge or role somewhere else. But the brand, as it's continued to grow and it's continued to challenge me, I've always had that next role that uh, was a stretch role, was something that I was excited to dive into. So at each step of the way, it's been another opportunity for me to grow, but also stay within the brand. Uh, we recently acquired some new businesses, Muscle Milk, and uh, we have the Propel business. So there's plenty of runway for me. I haven't felt like I've uh, run out of space to to grow and enjoy my experience and learn. So uh, yeah, I'm gonna keep rocking with it and uh, try to try to you know just uh, soak up as much as I can. That's that's what's up, man. Uh, happy for and proud of you. Uh, really sure. quick, how you know? I know it's, it's, it'd be hard to pick one single moment, but tell me one of like the coolest moments you had like in your role like leading the Gatorade business or working on the Gatorade business yeah man it's tough uh you know I, I have a ton of respect for um a lot of the partners that we work with some of the athletes that we work with um I've had a chance to go to several Super Bowls and uh went to the World Cup in Brazil which was amazing you know one of those bucket list experiences I'd say the moment that uh, probably sticks out the most for me was an opportunity I had to go down to Kingston, to Jamaica, and um, link up with Usain Bolt. And we spent the day just kind of cruising the city and checking out some of the spots that he grew up in and some of the people that he um, you know, really appreciates and points to in terms of uh, helping to drive his success. And then we went back to the track where he does a lot of his training. Uh, we filmed a commercial there up in the mountains. Um, and just wow. having such a cultural experience kind of thread within my everyday work was something that um, really just stuck with me. I've always looked up to Usain Bolt. And um, as a as an athlete, I think we all appreciate the speed and the ability that he has, you know, it's kind of the, the pinnacle of athleticism. So uh, being able to spend the, the day with somebody that, you know, I've always looked up to, but, but also see the culture that has been thread into his experience was, was pretty awesome. So that, that'd probably be what I would point to uh, first. And, uh, you know, it's an experience that I think I'll remember th for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, it's hard to forget that. I don't. I can't. I can't imagine, you know, something being bigger than hanging out with the greatest, you know, sprinter ever. Right. Right. You know right. What I mean? Especially given his story, right? And you know, Jamaica's so small, such a small population. Like it's an underdog nation, yeah. right? If you think about the way in which it's come and has supplanted the United States in the past decade or so, um, in terms of producing the best sprinter. So going to hang out with the goat, right? on his turf, man, I could, yeah, that's the pinnacle. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, uh, he, he's, he's like the president there. So, you know, you, you ride around with him. He had, uh, you know, the, the fresh BMW with the, the gold, uh, brake pads and all the, you know, he's just, he's the man. So <laughs> when he pulls up, everybody knows what time it is and shows him love. And so I was just happy to be 
kind of a part of that and, and witness it and uh, just get even a taste for a few hours to see kind of into his life. Um, great dude, just, you know, everybody loves to be around him exactly what you would imagine. So that was an awesome experience. I spent some time with Serena down in Miami uh, shortly after that. So that's probably my, my one B, you know, if, if you saying is my one A, <laughs> right. Serena is right behind that. So to be able to see her and spend some time with her on the court uh, was awesome. Um, she's just uh, such a, you know, genuine person, um, great to work with. So, and just obviously an amazing athlete. So, yeah, I've had some experiences that I have to uh, just step back and appreciate and take some time to even write down. You know, I'm, I'm not, uh, I don't <clears throat> do as much journaling as I probably should or, or want to, but those are some of those experiences that I just had to force myself to stop and kind of take down, take some notes and appreciate um, what I had had a chance to be a part of. Wow. Yeah, man, that is pretty special. So just let's take a let's take a step back. So now, so you're sitting here in this role, you know, where you're marketing director on one of the most iconic brands in the world. You are getting to work with and meet and kind of go deep with literally the biggest athletes in the world. And two, you just name you know casually stories of the two greatest athletes in their respective sports. Now, hold up, hold up. Not, um, not, not casually. Now, you, you asked me what was, the, <laughs> what, what was the best moment. And so I had to, I had to pull out, yeah, pull out top enough. on the list. I'm not trying to just uh, drop those names casually. Those, those are big deals. I, I, rep- I, I appreciate the fact that uh, those really stand out and, um, you know, are special. Uh, but I hear what you're saying. I just I just wanted to call that yeah. out. You know, yeah. I wasn't trying yeah, to just enough, casually name got... drop my man Usain or Serena. You know, we're we're not quite <laughs> right, right, right. Like, like you'd be texting with them on the regular. Right, basis. right, exactly. Yeah, no, I definitely wasn't trying to misrepresent that. But like, it's a it's a part of it's a part of your work. It's a part of what yeah, you know you do, um, and you know you have built this amazing family. Um, but where like. Let's go back to the, like the start of, of Martin Nance. Like, like where are you from, and like what was it like growing up for you as a kid? Yeah, yeah. I mean, even as you ask that question, when you say go back to the start, for me, I just immediately think about my parents. You know, my 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 mother Swayzeen uh, is is originally from Chicago. She's from the South Side of Chicago. Um, my dad, uh, Jerry Nance, grew up. Uh, west side of Chicago, went to Marshall High School. Um, and so those are my roots. You know, I, I actually um, spent a ton of my childhood. I grew up in St. Louis where, where they moved for work. Um, and they, they, you know, I was born and raised in St. Louis, but spent a lot of my childhood in Chicago, hanging out with family, visiting my grandparents, my aunts, uncles, cousins. Um, so Chicago has always been kind of my second home. St. Louis being really, you know, my home home, you know, where I grew up, where my my closest friends are. Um, and my parents still live there today. So I have a lot of roots and ties back back to St. Louis. I grew up like northwest side of the city, out towards the airport, um, more of a suburban neighborhood, really. Um, it's funny, my parents, both of them um, grew up in situations that 
you know, were more urban, more inner city. Um, and uh, so for me, my childhood, I, I would see where they grew up, but that wasn't, that wasn't where, um, you know, my life was. So it was, it was a good way to kind of keep me grounded, help, help, you know, make sure I appreciated kind of my roots. But, um, you know, for me, I spent, man, felt like 90% of my childhood was out playing, running around, playing sports, um, competing, and then the other, 10% was, uh, you know, doing schoolwork, at least for. So um, I eventually struck a better balance there. But but yeah, that that's how I would kind of describe my, my early years or childhood in a nutshell. Yeah, it sounds like, you know, your parents' wildest dreams are right. So like, I'm sure they didn't go from the south side of Chicago and the west side of Chicago and then just stumble into a situation where they could raise you, you know, in a nice neighborhood you know like there's yeah. a lot of work that they put in to try and make sure that you had it better than they did growing up you know absolutely. what i mean absolutely absolutely yeah i mean yeah. that was it their story was um <clears throat> like i said they're from chicago and both of them really just um put a ton of focus and and prioritized their academics i think they saw schoolwork and uh academic achievement as their way to take a step out of um, some of the challenges and struggles that they had <clears throat> growing up. So they were able to get their way to uh, Southern Illinois University, uh, where they met, actually. And um, my dad had to go kind of back and forth between junior college and his school at SIU and was working multiple jobs. And my mother, the same, you know, just trying to uh, kind of make it all work and find a way to pay pay their way through through school and um and tackle the you know the challenge of getting a college degree and so after doing that I think you know my probably uh closer to six years worth of college you know uh trying to make it make it uh work my my dad my mom they moved to St. Louis and were able to get some stable jobs and really start to live out what <clears throat> a lot of people would try to describe as the, the American dream, you know, for them, they had gotten out of some tough situations and had landed um, into some stability and were able to raise my sisters. I have two older sisters. So the three of us, man, we, we just uh, really appreciated what they, what my parents had been able to um, provide us. And then it was on us to really, uh, maximize the opportunities they put us in front of. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I love, I love hearing that story because the way the way I look at it is, you can't control the situation you're born into, right? And so, what you're left with is an option, two options: is to quit, and you're just like, all right, you know, I'm born into this particular situation, and screw it, and just kind of wallow in whatever disadvantages you perceive yourself to have, or if like, all right, I do have some assets and some abilities. I'm just going to work and make things better. And mm -hmm. your parents haven't taken on that approach. Then they were able to create a totally different life for you and your two sisters. And you kind of picked up where they left off. Right. And you didn't squander those resources and those advantages and opportunities. And, you got to went out there and blazed mm -hmm. your own trail. You know what I mean? 
And I think that that's something that's really important for us to think about is we can't control what we're born into. We can just control what we do given the circumstances. That's right. That are so true. I mean, yeah. every, you know, every one of us is born into a different situation, different set of challenges. I think uh, we can often people's situation and feel like we know them and we know their, you know, the degree of difficulty that they had to take on, but um, you never know what type of experiences people are having even under the surface, you know, people who were born into yep. great wealth, you know, can, can face some crazy challenges and struggles, uh, whether it be psychologically or through mental health and physical health. Um, so, yeah, I've just tried to appreciate um, kind of the uniqueness of every person's, <clears throat> every person's journey and um, yeah, they make the most of my own. Yeah, I dig it. So, so getting back to your own. So you were right, growing up right. in the loo, and you said you spent a lot of time outside, you know, playing sports. So were you like racing up and down the street, seeing who was the fastest? Were you a hoop player, football, baseball? Like, Man, what, what all was of the jam? above. Literally, everything you named flashed the memory in my head. You know, I was uh, loved to compete. It didn't matter what it was, um, and so. During baseball season, I wanted to be Ken Griffey Jr. And during football season, I wanted to be Barry Sanders and MJ. And, you know, it just uh, kind of rotated. Um, you know, I just love to compete and love to play games and sports and whatever it was. So um, basketball was probably the sport that I enjoyed most and excelled at early on. But uh, eventually, probably closer to middle school age, uh, I started to get more interested in, in football. And um, that's kind of a story in and of itself, but but jumped into that and, um, and, and football ended up being a sport that I gravitated towards and found that, you know, I was kind of best suited for. So uh, yeah, each, I feel like every sport, soccer, baseball, they all have stories and I spent, you know, plenty of years trying to be the best I could at each one of those. Yeah, I mean, as a there, there was a moment in which I was thinking about going into education. My whole family has a background in education. Both of my big brothers, they went into education. And one of the things that irked me when I was considering that path was a lot of folks I would meet would emphasize one or the other in terms of sports mm -hmm. versus education. And where I'm going with this is there is something about refining your competitive drive and your resiliency that comes, that, that athletic competition is you, uniquely suited to kind of forge, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And so I've always enjoyed um, me growing up being a student athlete, but then working with young people, having to be student athletes, because I, I can't, imagine probably be hard to quantify the benefits you accumulated through your youth just through competing the way you did year round. Yeah, in no, I think you're right. I mean, for me, um, so much carryover. I have to even check myself. Like in my head, I'm so quick to like compare just a regular everyday situation to an athletic challenge that I've had to deal with, whether it's you know, bouncing back from an injury or dealing with a difficult coach or trying to um, encourage a teammate who's having a challenge. Like, 
there's just endless um, kind of parallels. And even as a young kid, I was able to draw from a lot of those. And I think that um, also the more sports that I played, the more sports I was exposed to, I think kind of the deeper that experience bank grew, right? And so I just gained more confidence that regardless of the situation, I could find a way to overcome it or find success or um, find a solution. So sports have been just a, a awesome anchor for me in a way to kind of uh, navigate even everyday experiences and challenges because of the, the parallels you're able to draw. Yeah. So as you continue to like compete in sports and you had mentioned like you got later on junior high school and moving on into high school, you decided to gravitate more towards football. Like what, what was in particular about football Like what positions you end up playing and how did you balance that with your education? Cause I know you had mentioned earlier that your parents really stressed education. So how did you balance the two as you're like, all right, I'm moving towards football. I want to do this. Yeah. Like what pulled you into that? And then how did you, um, yeah. So I guess I'll that? tackle the, the second one first. So, um, to describe academics and sports as a balance for me, um, didn't really come into play until probably college because similar to you, um, education was kind of a, a thread within my family. My mother was a, a principal and administrator and always, um, involved in education and so that was kind of like table stakes like <laughs> there was there was there was really no no other option yeah. like, you know, you just, you're gonna handle your schoolwork. like that right. was it and, the, and it, I didn't even get the hey if you don't get your grades you're not gonna play sports like we didn't even get that far down the discussion it was just hey the expectation is that you're gonna take care of your schoolwork, stay on top of it. I had two older sisters, like I said, both of them were um, always on top of their work. So it was just the only way that I knew, you know, and if something slipped a little bit, I think yeah. everyone in my family kind of looked at me like, hey, you know, what's going on? So it was, it just, uh, I think the, the uh, where the bar was set for me academically, <clears throat> was in mm -hmm. such a healthy place and always kept me <clears throat> pushing myself and kept my expectations for myself really high. So that was like part, part one of it, you know, and then once, um, as you know, as I continued to play sports, um, I think, you know, you, you asked the question about football and, and where, you know, what was it that kind of pulled me in that direction? I loved, just uh, how um, authentically and um, just how clearly you get to compete with your um, with the competition. You know, when when I you step on the field in a football game, you get to exercise. You know, mental toughness and strategy and physical toughness and speed and skill and I mean, everything that you can roll up into athletic competition, I feel like comes to life within a football game. And that, that's what I think connected for mm -hmm. me. It just, I felt so challenged, so alive, so um, 
rewarded after, you know, the competition that, um, you know, I think and the, the physical nature of it, I just have always been drawn to that. So growing up, I watched, you know, like I mentioned earlier, Barry Sanders, Jerry Rice, those were the guys that I really um, kind of paid close attention to as a kid. So I always wanted to play receiver. I always wanted to have the ball in my hands. Um, I always wanted to kind of find success despite the fact that there was competition trying to stop me. So those were the things that really connected for me. Uh, and it took a couple years, it took probably, you know, a year of playing football and getting stuck on the offensive line to <laughs> realize that, um, you, you know, I, I had to, <laughs> to land in the right position for the sport to connect. Um, but once I did that, uh, the rest was history, you know, cause it just, fed my work ethic. You right. know, it, I just was so motivated to co continue getting better. So, yeah. That. Yeah. One of the things I've always said about football was it's tangible. Like every single play, either you executed well right. or you didn't. You know, either you picked right, up a right, yard right. or you didn't. You know, either you got the first down or you didn't. Like it's all very, very tangible in every right. Uh, every single snap. And so that's one of the things that, you know, I've struggled, which is definitely not what this podcast is going to focus on. And I know you and I, we've had other conversations about this too, about like next generation, do we want our kids play football or not? Like, yeah, yeah. not going to really get into that. But in spite of that whole climate, no matter what people say about football, whether you're on the side of you want your kids to play or you don't want them to play, I can tell you as someone who did play through high school, and I played baseball and basketball as well. And I was really good at basketball, but there was nothing like the, the reward or gratification you got from the tangible so results of football. You know, yeah. like every single It's play. funny. I had a coach. Yeah. I had a coach. So uh, quick that's what's up. I had so, a coach that, uh, you know, you probably can't go around saying this much today, but he said football is a man whoop a man sport. You know, it's like one man lines up across from the other and yeah. you see who who's going to win, who's going to, uh, you know, ultimately execute what it is they're trying to execute. So, yeah, that I think that's what really, you know, that's what I was drawn to um, and have always appreciated about about football. Yeah, no, I respect it. So yeah. you, you end up landing at wide receiver. So you, you like I need the rock in my hands. So I can go out here and bust people up. Um, what what was that like? You know, through high school and where you, where where did football kind yeah, of take you I mean, on your individual journey? Man, I feel like it's uh it's it's a long journey, but but to kind of uh, sum it up a bit, I, I um, played on a really good high school program. Um, freshman year, I, I had some success. Sophomore year, played well, but it. Um, I was on the essentially the freshman team and the sophomore team. And then as a junior, I finally, you know, this was my now my opportunity to play varsity, despite the fact that a couple of my friends had been called to play up early. And, you know, so I was like one of the better players, but not quite, you know, in that upper echelon to be considered, you know, got to get this kid on varsity or, you know, he's a day one starter. I was not that type of a, a player yet. And so that created kind of a chip 
uh, for me, you know, a chip on my shoulder that really drove my work ethic. I think it caused me to prioritize my off-season sports. Like I ultimately decided to stop playing baseball so that I could run track and use track as a great way to train in the off season and get faster and develop my body. So um, when I really started to hone in and like dedicate myself to the sport of football, I just got so much better year over year. And I made a huge leap from my junior year to my senior year. And um, even leaving college, I mean, leaving high school, you know, I was being recruited by some colleges and I was kind of a late bloomer so that by the time I landed in college, I was still getting better. I was still getting bigger, faster, stronger, uh, and just continued to do that even up probably through my junior year of, of college. So um, it's been an awesome journey, you know, to be able to use the sport of football to get a college degree and go, you know, to Miami University where I, I spent four years and then uh, on to the NFL. It's just been... Um, you know, a wild ride, nothing that I'd set out to, to do necessarily. Cause like I said, my mom had me <laughs> focused on, on schoolwork, uh, fortunately. Um, but to then now, you know, to, to yeah. ultimately go on and win a Super Bowl in Pittsburgh and, you know, meet, meet the president at the white house, you know, these are things that, you know, I, I never imagined this sport would do for me, but, um, created such an awesome, awesome path for me. Yeah, I, I I find it to be one of the one of the most compelling things I find about you is the fact that you approach all areas of your life the same. Right. So the way in which you've competed with football. You know, it's not like you show up in life and and the way in which you relate to your friends and your character is super whack and you're you're iffy. Like you show up kind of with the same consistency and work ethic. The way which you show up in your wife's life and your your girl's life, the way which you show up in your professional life. It's like, it's all consistent. I think that that's one thing that um, I've always admired about you from the moment that I met you. You're not just one thing, right? You're, you're multifaceted. Um, and even a way in which you just kind of breeze through, like you played four years at Miami of Ohio, like you happen to spend four years at Miami of Ohio and who yeah. was your quarterback? Yeah, I played with uh, Ben Roethlisberger. He'll be, I'm sure, in the Hall of Fame within, uh, you know, the f next five to ten years. But, um, you know, again, just one more chapter within the story that um, has been an awesome ride. Right. And then you float on from there and that you were to go and play in the NFL. And you know, how, long, how long was your yeah, NFL I spent a uh, couple years in um, – Minnesota with the Vikings and then a couple years in, in Pittsburgh with the Steelers. Yeah, man. You got, you know, you got that Super Bowl ring, which is always, I think, every athlete's goal, right, is to, to win a championship at the highest level and you were able to contribute and be a part of a team that accomplished that. And then you've been to the White House and met the president, right? And so, I mean, pretty impressive run. You go through all of those things. That but then your, your career, you know, yeah. wraps up after four years, right? Which is um, something that 
most people tend to not think about when they think about making it to the league. They think about making it to the league and then playing right, for right. you know ten plus yep. years, fifteen years, going to the Hall of Fame. So, where where was your head at when your NFL career was wrapping up and thinking about? Yeah, you know, fortunately, um, I had uh, Minya, my wife, and my family always kind of keeping me grounded and um, just planting those little seeds to say, hey, like you know. Think about what's next and uh, what, you know, what are you interested in that you can start to explore now so that when this thing transitions, you know, you have something else in mind. And I would kind of uh, push back, you know, and uh, it's tough when you're competing at the highest level against the best athletes in the world. You don't really give yourself a lot of freedom to let your mind wander and think about other things. Cause you feel like if you blink, mm. it's all going to be gone, you know, and you're just um, doing all you can to, to stay there and to become the best. And so I would try to do little things here and there, whether it was job shadows or, um, you know, little internships or just ways to get exposure to other paths and other professions um, while I played. And so, um, you know, for me, the transition, I think that helped to make it a little bit smoother. I had a, a, another knee surgery and was going to have to kind of restart my career a bit. And so I said instead, you know what, I'm ready to start my long term career. I'm ready to transition into kind of to real life. And so that's what led me to, to graduate school and, and encouraged me to make the transition um, into uh into b school so you know how it is from there your life changes and pivots uh yet again so um that was a great way for me to just stay active stay on the move continue to be challenged and um energized so um yeah i'm fortunate that i've i had such a great experience in grad school as a transition out of the league yeah yeah, no, I, I dig it. I think the, you know, uh, I always bring this quote up because I just think it's, I might end up quoting it at some point in time in every single one of these episodes. But, you know, luck is where preparation meets opportunity, right? And tr you transitioning into grad school, if it wasn't for your mom mm -hmm. and then your family, you're setting table stakes. That's right. Uh, education is a thing. That's just table stakes. If, if those table stakes weren't set, you know, things wouldn't have been able to, you wouldn't have been able to transition in the way in which you were. And so when you, when you make this move into business school, what was the, if anything, what, were there, were there any particular obstacles that you have to deal with in like making it through business school or getting into business school or whatever, as you decided to like map out this new kind of real, what you call it, your real career. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, plan. It was a it was a bit of a wake up call. You know, you go from as a professional athlete, everything is laid out for you. You know, your your schedule for the day, your your training, you know, how much weights uh, you need to put on the bar for each exercise. Like everything is mapped out what you should eat. Like so to go from that to now being kind of cast out into the world can be quite a shock, you know. And so for me, even the first hurdle that I had to um, take on as I transitioned was 
all right, you want to go to you want to go to business school, you got to take the GMAT and and get ready for this thing, right? So <clears throat> I had no roadmap as to how to do that. Unfortunately, I was wasn't working, so I just would go to the library. I you know hunker down for like six hours a day, four hours a day, and just study, study, study. I had three weeks to prepare for for this test based upon you know how the season wrapped up and where I was in the calendar. So I just, uh, yeah, I think that's when I was able to then draw from kind of the work ethic and um, focus that I was able to use as a, as an athlete to try to get the job done. And so that was, you know, even taking the, the GMAT was, was kind of the first big challenge that I had to take on. And um, then from there, it was, it was just all good, you know, being surrounded by, so many awesome people, so many uh, classmates that were supportive and um, were able to help steer me and guide me and give me their perspective. Um, and, you know, I mean, you were a part of it. It was like family from there. So um, such a, such a, uh, you know, phase yeah. of life that I appreciate and, and uh, think was kind of an impactful couple of years uh, along the way. Yeah, one of the things I appreciate, you know, about, uh, you know, I always, I always call Martin, you know, my little big homie, because in, in the years on earth, I'm actually older than Martin, but he was uh, at business school a year ahead of me. Um, and so when I came in, you know, he's a part of the class to help guide and provide us advice and help us get up the learning curve really quickly and help us avoid potholes because they had already been through it and they had received some That's institutional right. wisdom from the class ahead of them. So, um he was he was definitely you know the big homie that uh, provided a lot of guidance and wisdom. But one of the things that I watched that um, I don't think I've ever said this to you, but I thought was the most amazing, like ambitious, like work ethic and smart thing I saw someone do during my two years while I was in grad school was what you did with your your summer. Uh, between first year and second year. So to give folks a quick context, you go to school, if you're full-time, you go your first year, and then you intern somewhere where you basically go work a full-time job for 10 to 12 weeks in the summertime. And then you come back and you take your second year of business school till you graduate. And you go off and you start your career. Why don't you tell people how you spent your internship <laughs> yeah, summer I mean, between uh, first and second year? You know, the summer at Michigan is... Uh is is pretty unique in that um i think i think our last class was you know the last week in april uh and we didn't go back until you know september when when most schools went back so we have a really long summer um so my internship the the internship that i was able to land with gatorade was um starting up in june early june like most most internships but through off-campus recruiting and a lot of relationships that I was able to build uh, throughout my, my first year at Michigan, I actually landed an opportunity to intern at the NFL league office in New York. And so I was now faced with this dilemma of, hey, you know, do you want to do Gatorade? Do you want to do the NFL league office? Like, do you want to do marketing at Gatorade? Or do you want to do business strategy and corporate development over here at the league? And so Fortunately, uh, I worked under a guy named Steve Pammon, um, 
just an awesome brother who um, does, uh, he, he, he heads up uh, a lot of work for Beyonce now and, and her business strategy work. But he was at the league office and was willing to bring me on for kind of a, a half internship. So literally the first week in May, I think the first day in May, I went out to New York and was able to squeeze in essentially a six-week internship at the NFL league office before then flying back to Chicago and doing my full summer internship at Gatorade. So I was able to squeeze in a couple internships over the course of the summer um, when I think, you know, the typical route is, is, you know, you do your one and you keep it moving. So it was a, it was a great experience for me. I think um, being able to have those two different experiences and compare the uh, two cities of New York and Chicago and the league and the brands and, um, it, it was awesome for me, but um, I think it was just, again, because of the relationships I'd built and also the support system that I had at Michigan that kind of put me in position to think a little bit differently and take on a bit more challenge than maybe I would have otherwise. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that's, just, that's just grind and hustle. You know, the school year is, I mean, the school year has, is its own grind. There's a reason why people like to enjoy their summer and have a little break on the front or back end of their internships. And you're like, nah, I'm going to put two in. I'm going to take up all my time. Uh, but it, it reaped the rewards. And so then ultimately, you know, you you ended up yeah. getting an offer of Gatorade. That's where you went after school. And now you just, you know, <laughs> casually, you know, name dropping. Yeah, well, Serena you know, no, saying, I, you know, I think that goes back to, to your comment <laughs> yeah, about that, the summer. You know, I, I wasn't looking at it like, man, I'm going to grind this whole summer. I'm just going to, you know, make this thing nonstop. I, I was like pursuing internships and pursuing jobs that I was genuinely excited about doing and being a part of. And so when I was able to line them up, in my mind, I'm thinking like, oh, this is amazing. Like my summer is going to be packed with these two experiences that I'm really drawn to and excited about and looking forward to versus like, man, I'm going to have wall to wall work throughout the summer. So some of it is just the nature of, I think, the work and jobs that I was trying to do. You know, they didn't they didn't really fall on me as yeah. burdensome or things that I was, you know, not looking forward to. Um, so that, that, that's been, I think for me, yeah. something I found to be really rewarding is just doing work that I genuinely enjoy and being surrounded by people that I genuinely enjoy. Yeah. 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 Love, love what uh, you do and you'll never work. Yeah. Doing life. my best to live that out. Yeah. All right. So I, I always, you know, wrap these conversations up with, with four questions that I think are really important for, yeah. they, they tend to be an important part of, you know, every black man's journey. And so one is the quintessential, you know, Michelle Obama put it perfectly in the speech she gave a few years ago, I think it was at the, at the DNC, mm-hmm. where she said, you know, when they go low, you go high. And, you know, there are consequences when, when we blow our top. Like if someone goes low and they're able to pull us into the mud with them, there are consequences to mm-hmm. our behavior if we go down into the mud with them. Um, so can you tell me like one of the moments where they went low and you had to go high? Uh, a lot of moments. Uh, I think, you know, for me, 
Um, one moment that comes to mind, uh, even as a, a professional athlete, you know, you have coaches, you have um, GMs that will tell you one thing and <clears throat> then do something else. Or, you know, they make a promise and things play out uh, totally different. Um, and so, you know, I'd say an experience that comes to mind is um, the interaction I had with a GM in the, the, during my NFL experience, he told me, Hey, you know, we're going to sign you to this contract and, you know, we, we've got you slotted to be, you know, this player on the depth chart. And sure enough, uh, it didn't go that way at all. I ended up getting uh, released and, you know, they decided to kind of shuffle their contracts around and do some other things. And my initial reaction was, Hey, you know, when you go into his office, let him have it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you, you want to speak your mind. And so, uh, but before doing that, I kind of just gathered myself and thought about kind of the reputation that I wanted to maintain the relationships that I wanted to build um, throughout the league, throughout the organization. And so I kept my cool and I recognized that, Hey, he's conducting business on his end and I got to conduct business on mine. And so, you know, it felt like a, one of those low blows, but I decided to, uh, you know, just try to handle it with professionalism. Mm -hmm. And now that I look back on the experiences that I've had, I think quite a few of them I would have missed out on because of reputation and because of, um, you know, negative referrals that w I would have received as a result of going that route. So that, that's probably the example that comes to mind first. That's right. That's right. Yeah, no, I always play the long game, man. That's uh, and take take a deep breath. Um, what what is your definition of success? Your personal definition. You know, I, I doesn't so matter for other people. I'd say my success or kind of what how I would describe success is is grounded first in my faith. You know, for me, um, just recognizing that that life is so much bigger than you know dollars or job titles or even, um, you know, personal relationships that I have here on earth, you know, I think about my relationship with God and my faith, and that's really what drives me. That's where I measure success, you know, am I living a life that, um, you know, I think is um, appreciated and makes, you know, my creator proud. So I would say success for me is defined in my relationship with Christ and and um, ultimately my faith. Awesome, I, I dig it. Um, your can you can you give us if, mm -hmm. if your if your journey had one word associated with it? Talking about your whole journey, from growing up to all the things you've been through to getting to where you're at now. What would be the word to describe your journey? One word, relationships. I, I think that's what comes to mind because my journey is um, so much a reflection of the relationships that I have. The, like I started the story off, you know, with my parents and my sisters. Um, and then my wife, who has been with me through so many of the ups and downs and challenges and successes and setbacks. I mean, um, her, you know, my relationship to her and my relationship with my girls and then my closest friends, I mean, they're like truly like brothers to me. So um, relationships are what I think 
summarize my, my story. Every bit of success or setback has uh, been tied to the relationships I have. Yeah, that, that's a jewel for sure. Um, and then last question before I let you uh, get out of here. In you know, there's a, just being point blank, I think there's no segment of society that has yep. it harder than the United States did black men. I think our journey is just difficult. Other people may not agree with it, but that's just point blank um, how I see it. I know mm-hmm. most black men see it that way as well. Um, but it's not all bad either. So with that being the case, what is it that you love most about being a black man? Like uniquely about the the journey that um, comes with walking. Man, I think uh, as a man. So you know, a lot of emotion kind of wells up when I when I think about um, being a black man and the pride that comes along with that. Um, it's hard to uh, just imagine it any other way for myself, you know. And uh, so I, I think. Um, you know, the thing that stands out to me is just the fact that um, we have so much to be proud of, so much, um, so many great accomplishments, whether you look across art or um, sport or fields, you know, science, or, I mean, just, um, you know, go the list goes on and on. And then mm-hmm. you tie those back to the challenges that we have had to overcome. I mean, naturally, uh, we all have a lot to be proud of and mm-hmm. uh, great heritage that we come from that we should uh, be proud of and, and try to make proud. You know, we, we, owe, it, we owe a lot to the, the people who have come before us. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, a great, um, great place and great uh, kind of um, life to live, but I think it comes with great responsibility and... Um, you know, we have a lot of people to also help along the way, um, given the the things that people have done to, to make our lives possible. Indeed, man. Indeed. Well, I mean, that was that was a jewel you dropped. I don't need to add much to it, like other than man, really thank you, uh, bro, for taking my time pleasure. My pleasure. And no, it's always story. good to uh, yeah, to yeah. catch up. Really appreciate it, man. I, I think the world of you and uh, consider you. Uh, one of my dearest friends, man. So I appreciate it and, and glad we could do this.